This is Canada Reads American Style, featuring two friends who love Canada Reads and Canadian literature. Welcome our host Rebecca from Michigan and Tara from Ontario. Hi everyone, it's Rebecca and Tara. And recently we read a wonderful memoir by Margot Federick titled Cooking Tips for Desperate Fishwives, an Island Memoir, and decided to invite her to be on the podcast. Margot lives and works on Gabriola Island, British Columbia, and has led a fascinating, non-traditional life, I would say. Uh, she has been writing a personal blog since 2016 called Death Defying Acts of Living and an instructional soap-making blog called Wash, Rinse, Repeat. Also, Margot is in the Master of Library and Information Studies program at the University of Alberta online. And so, as you can see, she's a very busy woman, and we really appreciate that she could make time for us today. So, welcome, Margot. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be talking with you. Well, we always like to just jump right in with our first question. So, I'll ask, uh, for those who have not yet read your memoir, could you tell us a little bit about it? Sure. Well, I can give you the quick, uh, short version of it and then maybe expand a bit. But basically, it's Prairie Girl uh, moves out west, meets an urchin diver, and uh, raises a family on Gabriola Island. It's kind of about my Ah, the trials and tribulations of raising a family in a long-distance marriage. Um, I try to add a little bit of spicy, fun stuff, including mem um, some recipes. But I added a little bit of humor and a little bit of sadness. And I tried to be as honest as I could about our, my life. I will say that you definitely did that because the opening of the book was a little bit of a shock. Do you, could you mention a little bit about how the book opens? <laughs> sure. Well, I actually um, have it with me today and I was going to read you the opening. Yeah. Let me ask my next question and then we'll have you do the excerpt and then you can read that because I think, I promise you, if you, to our listeners, if you hear that opening part of the book, you will want to read it because it is, it was a wild ride at the oh, beginning. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we loved it. Okay. I did look up the definition of fishwife in Merriam-Webster. I'm a you know retired librarian, so I had to use a, a legit source. And it says, quote, a woman who sells fish or a vulgar, abusive woman, unquote. And so can you explain how you arrived at that title for your memoir? Sure. I think I was kind of being hard on myself, like I am all the time. And I sort of view myself as not like the happy woman waiting at home for the man that she loves. I was quite harsh of a fishwife. I ranted and railed a lot at um, my husband. I wanted him to quit. Um, so I, I didn't want to come off as, you know, the happy little wife waiting at home. I really, I wanted to be honest with the story. And I was, I, I wanted to show that I really you know, wasn't, I was quite of a shrill fishwife. And actually, when when you do read the book, I did sell fish for a short while as well. Well, it's funny, I was in a long distance relationship for 13 years. So that was one of the things about the book that I really enjoyed was I think, seeing that push pull of, 
you know, you love this band, but you're also angry at this man because he's not there all the time. So that's actually one of the things I really loved reading in your in your memoir. So oh, thank you. Yeah. And so would you be willing, it sounds like, to to read us a little excerpt of it as well? Sure. The night I ran over Rick with my car, I was over four months pregnant with our first daughter. I remember crouching at his side, knees painfully ground into the concrete as I swayed over him in my grief. I didn't know it then, that it was too late. An invisible cord was tethering us, not just me to the baby, but all of us wound up together, pulsing towards everything that came after. Earlier that night, I had made a vegetarian lasagna. Rick was two hours late. I couldn't call him from our rental suite because we had cancelled our phone service in advance of a move to our new condo, closer to downtown Victoria, near the Galloping Goose Trail. I walked downstairs to call Rick from the suite below. It was occupied by an unhappy single mom. I often heard her yelling at her timid preschooler through the thin floors covered in shag carpeting running the length of the 70s style rancher. She was a heavy woman and I imagined her jowls shaking with the effort. I made no attempt to hide my emotions, bonded as we were under the same roof of sorrow. She let me into her suite, unperturbed by my distressed state. Mothers, I surmised by her bemused expression, must ready themselves for disaster. I hardly registered much of the surroundings as I dialed Rick's cell phone numbers, hands shaking, fingers still pungent with garlic. He was out for a drink at Sydney's Blue Peter Pub with his crew after the dive. That night he had been seeking small green urchins found on the murky bottom of the ocean, surprisingly close to home for once. I told him to not bother coming home. He took this to mean he didn't have to come back immediately. Yet why didn't he know? Most nights I couldn't sleep for the baby kicking me in the bladder. I was sure my fat selves were multiplying each night as I lay sweating on the mattress. I could only take short, shallow breaths while the baby dug into my diaphragm and Rick snored, oblivious to my discomfort. I felt even more alone with that untouched, perfect lasagna. I flashed forward to my baby's birth and everything that would come after. Who would be there for me then? My own mother had died when I was 23 years old, skeletal from cancer. She wasn't there to warn me against marrying someone whose job takes them up and down the West Coast for half of each year. Would I have listened if she had protested? Who listens to their mother when it comes to love? Beautiful. Yeah, yeah, that was great. Um, so, Margo, one thing that I love about memoirs is how you can make a connection as a reader with the author through their writing. So although we're similar in age, I think we're only a couple of years apart, we don't have really similar life experiences. You're from the prairie. I'm from the East Coast. I'm not going to put any spoilers out there, but you have different lifestyles. But I, I connect it with you uh, through your soap making because I also made soap and ran my own little business when my children were younger. So I loved hearing about your soap business and selling it on the island at the market. Your descriptions were also great. Like I could smell your soap. It was really nice. Thank you. But one thing I'm always curious about is, so you also shared like more intimate details about your relationship with your family and your marriage. As a writer, how do you decide what you're going to share? That's a hard one. 
I, I didn't even think about it. I went blindly in, as I do with many things in my life. <clears throat> I just sat down and I wrote out the, the bits and pieces of my life that I had to write out. And also, I thought that people might find interesting, if, if to be honest. Yeah. You know, I wanted to do a nice balance of here's my life, but, you know, here's here's some little tidbits of the bad parts that you might be interested in. Because, I mean, honestly, when I read a memoir, I want to hear all the, the dirt. You know, oh, yeah. I don't want just the glossed over version. I want the good and the bad. Yeah. Yeah. So I hope I did that. Oh, yeah. No, you did a great job. I, I like I really, really enjoyed this. I felt like I lived vicariously through your memoir of living on the island in that little house. Like I could picture it all. It was really great. Oh, thanks. You're welcome. I want to just throw in this too, that what, at what point did you decide to write a memoir? I mean, what was the impetus to do it? Because I just think it's I, I do think your life is very unique and different. And that's one of the things that I think we loved about it because it wasn't your standard traditional lifestyle that you led. So at what point did you decide to write a memoir? I knew I always wanted to write. I just didn't really know what I wanted to write. So I took a few courses here and there, and I tried writing some of my life stories out as fiction but it just didn't seem, it just wasn't the right fit. You know, a lot of people take their life stories and mold it into fiction. It just wasn't working for me. I had to, to tell my story, it had to be my true story. And I think also what I read is I love memoirs by women. So I think I was just drawn to that genre. I'm also going to ask, so now that you've mentioned the memoirs by women, do you have like a couple, two or three favorite memoirs that you've read? Yeah. Um, I just discovered Nula O'Fallon called Are You Somebody? An accidental memoir of an Irish woman. Oh, that sounds fascinating. Yeah, the, oh, my gosh. Are You Somebody? It was written in the 90s, and I just discovered it maybe on the Internet. And it really spoke to me. She wrote so honestly, like a about loneliness. Maybe that's why I could really connect with her. But I think, like I, I hugged the book when I finished reading it. Oh, okay. I'm checking this one out for sure. Yeah. And we will put them in the show notes. So okay. yeah, I'll oh, I'll look so it up. Good. I'll I'll get the accurate description of everything, and and we'll put it in oh. the show notes. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm in love with that woman, and I mean I like anything by Mary Carr. Um, Catherine Gildner, Jan Wong, women's stories. I just love a good woman's true story. And it's funny because I think my story is an average woman's story. And people keep telling me it's not, but it feels average to me because, I mean, it's just my life, right? Yeah, I don't know. You go in the book, you seem to go for stuff with such gusto. I don't think of it as average. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. But I mean, I've learned a lot by people's reflections. Even when I first talked to the pe- the publishers, they said, thank you for this brave memoir. And I, and I <laughs> went, oh, oh, 
Like it didn't occur to me until it was too late after I had signed the contract. It's like, what have I done? You released something good out there. That's yeah. what you did. Absolutely. Yeah. So another part of the book that I loved, like I loved this part, was the epilogue. It delighted me so much. When I read it, I loved the whole book. And then the epilogue just like, bam, finished it all for me. And in that epilogue, you describe a simple notebook of yours. Can you tell us about that notebook and how it became more than a place that you just keep your recipes? Okay. Well, first of all, I want to say I'm a very disorganized person. I don't tell people at my library school. <laughs> and I have a lot of notebooks. And so I have this way of like, let's say I started, I'm holding it right now. It's like old. I think it's from the 90s. So I started it off as a recipe book, but then sometimes as writers often do, I started to write notes in it in between recipes. So it's kind of like a a little relic of my life. So it's really fun to see, you know, what was I cooking? What was I eating in the beginning of my relationship? It's sort of like a map of my Mm -hmm. life. I have a follow-up question about just thinking about if if Rick wrote a memoir, how would Rick's memoir be different? And or what if your children wrote about their perspective about your lives together? Because it is true, a memoir is, you know, one person's point of view. And I'm just curious how it might have played out the other way around. Just just curious. Well, I mean, okay, first I'm going to say, and a lot of people don't believe this, but two people in my family do not want to read my memoir and won't. And I totally understand. Oh, sure. Just, it's too personal for them. And I have, you know, one daughter is fine with it. She's more like me, sort of more emotions out there on her, on her sleeve or wearing her heart on her sleeve kind of person. So I'm just thinking, writing the book, I can actually see, I saw a lot of my faults more than I, like, you know, they, they came up. I, I was able to witness a lot of the the issues that I had, a lot of the, the I think what the word they came up with was dysfunction. And when I heard, <laughs> when I heard my book described as, you know, family dysfunction, I'm there, what? <laughs> but that was kind of shocking. So, I mean, sure, I think my kids might, you know, well, I feel like my children might have the same sort of, like they were at home with me, they would have the same experience of, witnessing me falling apart and the excitement and the sadness. And I think, but if Rick wrote a memoir, maybe I think it would be more about the excitement part of his life. Like he loved the exciting part of living on the ocean, being under the ocean. I think his would be more of an adventure, an adventure memoir. But do you think he would, I mean, do you think, and I know this is really personal and you don't have to answer it if it's too personal, but do you think that he really understands at this point, now that the book has come out, do you think he really understands the impact of his being gone on your life? Do do you think he does? Oh, yeah, definitely he does. I think some people, and you'll have to read the book, can't, they can't separate themselves from their job. Like he is like a, He loves the ocean and I don't, it maybe took me a whole book to understand that, 
I mean, I knew it. It's just, it's, I had to step outside of my life and write about it to understand my life in a way. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I almost feel like that's what I understood by the end of the memoir is that, you know, you were living your life, you were, you know, with your children, he was gone, you know, often, and you were just often trying to hang on. And the, the many ways that you made a living, that just blew me away. Like, I think to myself, I'm not sure that I could have, I would have had the same strength to just keep digging and digging and digging the way that you did. You were making a life and he, but he, he really is married to his job in that way. I mean, it's who he seems to be as a human being, but it's almost as if you finally sort of got that through this memoir, maybe. That's how, that's how it felt reading it. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's what I did discover along the way that, you know, I can fight him all I want. I, there's no way I can take away his love of his job, which has basically supported us. Mm-hmm. So do you have other books in the offing or other things you're thinking about writing? Well, I am taking a grad program through U of A right now, so I'm pretty busy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, when I was in school, I did write a script for a graphic memoir. I don't know what is wrong with me and my memoirs. What else do I have to say? (laughs) But I did write a script and I really... I would really like to finish the artwork for it. It kind of goes more in depth to with my Russian Baba because oh. she had a very interesting life and a you know um, so I kind of want to dive more into her life and relate it to maybe like why why do my sister and I struggle with anxiety? like where did that come from and kind of maybe see if it came from like a learned thing or you know, from the past, from my family. You mentioned artwork. Then are you do, would you do the artwork yourself for this, for the graphic memoir? I'm trying to. I mean, yeah. I've always sort of loved pen and ink, so mm-hmm. I, I'll see. Did you do the cover for your book? No, no, that was a wonderful woman from, I think she's from Vancouver that did okay, it. Yeah, that's, it's a beautiful cover. Yeah, it is. And I love octopus, so I'm really glad that they chose that. Oh, yeah. It's really quite stunning. Yeah. Okay. Now, since you brought it up as well, I mean, I brought it up in the intro, but then you just mentioned it again, which is your library studies program. And as a retired library director, I always love to hear that people are, you know, furthering their education about libraries. So do you have a plan for what you want to do after you graduate and get your master's? I used to work for the Calgary Public Library, and I loved oh. working with the public. I loved doing outreach, but I don't know. I'm just started. I'm only in my second semester, so I feel like the world is my oyster. Yeah. I I, I talked with a woman who did uh, acquisitions for non adult nonfiction, and that kind of seems like it would be a good fit for me. But who knows? Who knows where it'll take me? Maybe research. Well, you know, it's funny because I think a lot of people don't necessarily realize how books end up in libraries and the whole, the people who are in collection services who make the decisions about what to purchase. I I did it on a small scale when I was in my previous job. 
for youth services. And I have to tell you, it was the most fun part of the job, just sitting there, looking over materials, deciding what the library should own. And so I would say if that feels like a good fit for you, it's just from my experience, it's fabulous. You will love it. It's wonderful. Oh, yeah. I mean, even when I was working at the front desk for a while in the Calgary Public Library, and they had they had something like six months of renovations where there was, for some reason, the stacks were literally within arm's reach from the desk. And I loved it. Like, I could just, I couldn't control myself. I had to, like, fondle the books every five minutes. <laughs> I, just, I love books so much. So there you go. I like reading them and writing them and Margot, thank you so much. As I said, Tara and I, we really both truly enjoyed your memoir. And I think it's one that uh, I've seen it actually quite a bit on Instagram, actually. And we just want to encourage everyone to get a copy, read it, because it, again, we felt it was, you know, uh, you have a very unique lifestyle. And I think people will really enjoy it for the many aspects of how wonderful it is. And try the Blintz recipe. So Tara, are you going to try the Blintz recipe? I am. And I'm going to try, I have yet to, I want to try your molasses cookie. Oh, cookies recipe. Aunt Marie's cookies. Yes. yes. And there's a couple of other recipes in there that I uh, want to try too that I haven't gotten around to yet. But yes, we should point out that throughout the memo- memoir, you have, I think in every chapter or close to it, right? Every couple of chapters, uh, yeah. a recipe of yours. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is fun. Yeah, it is a really fun um, addition to the book. Thank you. So, Margot, again, thank you so much for being with us. We really do appreciate it. And we look forward to, hopefully in the future, uh, a graphic memoir. That would be wonderful. Thank you again. Thank you, Margot. Thank you for joining us on our bookish journey. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing, rating, and reviewing Canada Reads American Style wherever you listen. You can connect with the podcast and Rebecca on Instagram at Canada Reads American Style and with Tara at On a Branch Reads. Until next time, keep reading. <laughs>